Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. I'm Heather Evans. When my twins were born at 24 weeks gestation, I began to think about the uniqueness of each of our motherhood journeys. I also began to understand the importance of education and support from other moms, no matter how different our lives may be. Each episode will highlight one mother's journey and the lessons she has learned on this crazy path we call life. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. Welcome back to the Mama Sisterhood. We have Melanie Bill here today. Great to have you, Melanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm very excited to tell your very unique journey. So why don't you start and just give us a little bit of an introduction about who you are, who is in your family, where you live, and all that good stuff. Yeah, so my name is Melanie. I'm a mama of three. I have two boys. Uh, they're both 10, but uh, one will be 11 next week. So one just turned 10. So 11, 10, and then I have a five and a half year old girl. Um, we've kind of been living overseas for a while. I grew up in Malaysia. Um, my parents were actually dorm parents there. So I kind of grew up in that. And then my husband grew up in Africa as a dorm kid at age six years old to 18. So kind of a different, different stories in some sense. And then uh, came to the States and uh, we live in Orlando, Florida right now, but we're in Germany and Taiwan um, before that with our kids doing dorm parenting over there. So currently in Orlando, um, maybe we'll be back overseas someday, but this is where God kind of has us right now. So I love it. So why don't we start just because of your history, your husband's history, and then your family, can you kind of explain to us like what it involves to be a dorm parent? Yeah. So it's kind of a unique, uh, experience, I guess that's a good word, and just a very rewarding job. I think with both of us, we grew up in that kind of environment. Um, like I said, so I grew up in Orlando, actually, and my parents were dorm parents here um, at Edgewood Children's Ranch, which is a home for at-risk youth. So I grew up as a staff kid um, living with a bunch of brothers, and my parents were, were dorm parents here. And then my husband, when he was in Africa, um, his parents lived in the jungle and did village ministry. So there was no schools or anywhere to go. So he got sent to a boarding school, a Christian international boarding school, about 3000 miles away at age six. Um, so he had the same dorm parents for 12 years over there, which was really cool, very rewarding. Um, so we kind of lived different lives. I was always a staff kid and he was always a dorm kid. Um, so two different worlds in some ways, but I think both of us had a, just a calling and a passion to do that um, forever. And then when we met and we talked about our interests and you know, dated, got married. We're like, this is what we want to do for, you know, for a while. So kind of how we got into that was just our growing up, our upbringing and our parents kind of, um, you know, bringing that world into us a little bit. So, so are there uh, in terms of the dorms, are they always associated with schools and are they usually for at-risk kids or are there a variety of different types of set? I mean, I know you said your husband's family was in the jungle, so obviously there's a yeah. different variety of settings, but right. I mean, is it, is there kind of a theme throughout the whole thing or can they just be diff all different areas and all different situations? Yeah. So we, um, we've kind of done both when we got married. Um, we started working all around the States with, uh, troubled youth, troubled youth, troubled teens. So that was kind of what we dove into right away. Um, so we've worked at a couple different residential homes. Um, the parents just have a hard time with them at home. They're just here for many different reasons. Um, maybe a rough home life or, you know, drug abuse, expelled from school, different kind of, you know, situations and their parents just partner with and say, hey, we just need a little bit extra help. So they send them to live with us. Typically, there's a whole bunch of dorms on a campus, on a school campus. So they live with us full time and then they go to school on the campus as well. Okay. So we kind of did a couple of different states um, for a couple of different years doing that. And then um, our last place was in Orlando working with troubled teen boys. So we had 10 high school boys that lived with us full time um, with my kids too, and then just felt the call to move overseas. So that's when we moved to Taiwan and kind of switched gears. We were working with missionary kids. Um, so not troubled youth anymore, but still the dorm environment. So we mm -hmm. had 16 high schoolers co-ed in Taiwan, um, you know, from all different parts, uh, of the world in some sense and, um, you know, missionary kids. So we had, they had schooling there, international boarding schools, um, so they lived with us full time there. So a little bit of different. We've kind of done, yeah. you yeah. know, in the states working with the troubled teens and then overseas. 
Okay. That is so interesting. And so, and you mentioned that you were doing some of this when you had your boys. So why don't we back up a little bit? So you and your husband were, were working with the troubled youth, working as dorm parents. Um, how did that go when you either became pregnant or you guys decided to grow your family? Did, were you able to continue to, um, work in that same setting or how did all that work with pregnancy and then being in the dorm setting? Yeah. So we started kind of our, um, dorm parent career journey back in 2010. So about three months into getting married, um, my husband and I, uh, got a job working with with trouble teens. So at the time we didn't, we didn't have kids. It was just him and I, um, we had our first kid in, uh, 2012. Um, and at that point I, then I became a stay at home mom for a little while, but then moved to Orlando, Florida when my boys were then had another one. Um, I want to say they were three and four years old. So we lived here for a couple of years working with at-risk youth and they were just in the dorm with us. Um, so we had, we had 10 high school boys and my boys just kind of, that was their first experience with it, age three and four. And they kind of grew up that way. Um, you know, it, it's a very different, different kind of world, different kind of life. You know, they have 10 big brothers, um, you know, and, and just find it, it can be kind of hard because these kids are here for a very specific reason. You know, they, they have um, some struggles and some behavior issues. So you are, you are careful with things like that, but the way that they light up when they are around my kids is really, really cool. Um, you know, they came alongside, they became part of our family and my boys just, they loved it. So it's a very neat experience for them. Yeah. I'm sure that's good for your boys. And then also for your dorm boys too, yeah. to kind of be in the, in the role model situation right. too. Yeah. Yeah. So is the setup, I know you said that they're, you know, lots of setups on the same campus, but like with your 10 dorm kids and then yeah. your boys, are you, do you guys like eat meals together? Do you spend time together in the evenings or do you guys kind of go your separate ways or what does that just kind of look like on a typical day? Yeah. So here, um, at Edgewood Children's Ranch here in Orlando, we have, um, six, they call them cottages, they're dorms, so six cottages. So we have boys and girls here and this is where I am currently now. Oh, back okay. In. Um, doing a different role, but we have each of the dorm parents have an attached apartment. So okay. we live in the same building. Um, it's just a one story building. So we have an attached apartment, a big living room to share or not to share that the boys have. We have our own apartment. We always keep our door open. There's always supervision. Um, and then the boys bunk. So there's bunk beds in the back room and there's 10 bunk beds. So they all just have one, one room. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a little bit of the setup there. As far as meals, um, we took turns like rotating meals, helping cook in the kitchen, things like that. So on weekends when our cook was off, if my dorm was was on a meal, a weekend meal, they would come with me to the kitchen and we would work together. Um, you know, I, I helped teach them how to cook and, you know, how to, how to clean properly. I mean, these boys had no idea, you know, so learning kitchen things. Um, so we made meals often together. And then um, when we were not cooking and had our cook there throughout, throughout the week, we would sit at the cottage um, with everybody else in the cafeteria. We just had assigned tables for each dorm. So that's how that worked. Um, and I forgot the last thing you said about. Oh, no, that, yeah, that's perfect. And then, and your boys were not old enough to go to school yet at that point, right? You said they were three or four. Yeah. So they were in okay. uh, like a church uh, preschool okay. like three days a week. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So then I guess take us from now, did you go to Taiwan before you had your third child then, or what was the timeline with how you then went from Orlando to yeah. the job in Taiwan? So I, um, had, we had our third kid in 2017. Okay. And so I was still working here as a, as a cottage parent, dorm parent okay. here in Orlando. Um, so my boys got to watch from beginning to end, just the, you know, the, the pregnancy and just, uh, you know, we don't have maternity leave here at all. There's just not time to take off with dorm parents. Nobody can come and replace you for that long. It was just, you know, um, not set up for that. So I had her on a Friday. I was back to work on Sunday. Wow. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had my Saturday in between, but I got back from the hospital and my boys, my dorm boys were all standing up front, just waiting for the car to come. And they were so excited. So they got to kind of walk that journey with me for, for the nine months. And then uh, it was really neat to see kids who were struggling and just just not doing well, but bringing a baby into that just, it was such, I mean, their eyes lit up and they were begging to hold her and, Aww. you know, it became kind of a reward system who could push the stroller, you know, oh, that's it, awesome. the stroller today. And, um, you know, they fought over that all the time. So watching them with her was, 
so precious and mm-hmm. she was very well taken care of. I mean, um, she was spoiled. So they, they just ate her up. It was really cool to have them be a part of that whole experience. And, um, you know, a lot of them didn't have younger siblings mm-hmm. and bringing that into the cottage. It just created a very, you know, neat moment for them as well. So yeah, it's like she had 12 big brothers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I, I don't know if any of them, like if they came from any type of, you know, unstable home life, I mean, it was giving them a really good example to have you guys as a family unit and to really see how that can work out well. So for them in the future to give them right. ideas of how they want to do things and what they want yeah. to do. Yeah. So that okay. is, oh, that's so cool. So were they, um, I, I'm just picturing teenage boys. So yeah. if she were to start crying or need a diaper change, were they kind of like out of there or did they stick around for the hard stuff? Yeah, good question. I think at first it kind of was like, oh no, ML, what, what do I do? Uh-huh. My aunt and uncle here. So they say, ML, what do I do? She's crying. And I was just yeah. like, no rock or suit. How do, how do I do that? Uh-huh. And it was neat to even come alongside of them and show them, okay, this is how you can, you know, swaddle a baby. This is how you hold the baby. You know, this is not to hold it. You know, you don't hold the baby mm-hmm. like this, or this is what she likes. And I think they learned quickly how to do things. They caught on to things fast and they all wanted to be a part of it. So yeah. it was, it was very neat to see them bond with her, all of them, honestly, even, even the guys who weren't like super into kids, um, mm-hmm. just watching them be a part of that and wanting to constantly hold her. And I felt like I had a lot of extra set of hands too. I was able to, to free up, to do more things because mm-hmm. I knew it was taken care of and obviously still going back to supervision. I mean, we watched them all the time, but um, it changed the dynamics of the cottage greatly in just such mm-hmm. a positive way. So it was really cool to see. Well, and I'm wondering about too, I mean, you had your two other boys and I know it's hard for other young kids when a baby comes into the picture. Um, Did the older boys, did they kind of help out with the younger, with your boys at that time, still giving them a little bit more attention? Oh yeah. yeah. Honestly, it was better than I could have thought. Um, I really didn't know which way it was going to go, but they, um, there were some who had already been so connected with my boys. They were always outside playing with them and doing and we never stay inside. So here um, at our setup, we're not inside ever. They're not allowed their phones or electronics or they're not allowed anything that they can bring in. So we are outside all the time. We don't watch mm-hmm. TV here. Or any, I mean, everything is stripped away. It's super minimal. Mm-hmm. So when we're outside all the time, I mean, they'd be pushing her in the stroller. The other one would be playing soccer with my boy. The other one would be, you know, jump roping. So it was kind of a, a big old campus yard and we're all just out there hanging out. So that's um, so was, I yeah, love that crazy. for all of you guys. Yeah. So with the boys, and I'm sure it depends on their situation, but were they um there to stay for quite a while? Or did you have to, you know, have a if a boy, you know, quote unquote graduated the program or whatever you would right. call it? And um, then how would that work with your not so much your baby because your baby would be too little, but like your younger boys, them getting attached to these older boys? Did you have yeah. that situation at all? Um, we did, we had a couple boys that aged out in some ways. Um, and then we, we are a voluntary program here too. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, kids are not lining up because they want to be here necessarily, but they have to be willing to be here. Okay. Um, so we did have a, a couple of them that left, um, for various reasons and most of them stay about two years. Okay. Um, and then that was the time that we also transitioned and, and we felt it was a good time to transition because we did have a, a I would say half of our kids leave the program and then the mm-hmm. other half because of their age, they got to move to a higher cottage. Okay. So kind of the, I would say 14 through 14, 15 year old boys. Mm-hmm. And then once they kind of aged out, then they got to move to the higher boys cottage. So it was a good time. I felt to leave. Um, I think it would have been different had we not had somewhere else to go to. My boys would have had a harder time, but mm-hmm. no, we were going to Taiwan and, you know, getting to experience that they were super excited about it. So mm-hmm. um, they were attached to a lot of them here, but it was a good timing. Yeah. I think, with them leaving. No, so. that, that does. That sounds like it would be, it would be a really good, like everybody starting a new chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Now with Taiwan, I know that both of your histories growing up was overseas. Had you both felt that like a calling to go back overseas this whole time, or did you know eventually you wanted to go overseas or was that you hadn't planned on that. And then it just kind of presented itself. Yeah. We had been trying to get overseas since we had gotten married in 2010. Um, we knew that we knew we felt we wanted to be overseas. We didn't have a specific place. I had grown up in Asia. A lot of my life, he had never been Asia. I had never been Africa. We were from two totally different worlds in some ways, but Mm -hmm. very similar kind of, um, environments. We both lived on a campus, campus life boarding internet, you know, Christian international boarding school. 
Um, and I had, it's kind of a funny story because I have known about Jeremy, my husband, like my whole life. He grew up with my cousins and aunt and uncle in Africa. Oh, so okay. they were, my aunt and uncle were dorm parents alongside of his dorm Got parents. It. He grew Got up with it. my cousins. So we, we've known kind of the same people forever. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely had a calling to go back. Just weren't sure where that was. Mm-hmm. We applied it to a handful of different places and um it was very interesting because on one night we weren't even, you know, we weren't even looking, we had been looking, but nothing had happened for years, honestly. And then, um, on the same day, we got a call from a school in Indonesia and a call from Taiwan, the exact same day saying they wanted to, to hire us for dorm parents. And we were like, Oh my word, out of so many years of trying to be overseas, uh-huh. it happened to be the same day, literally hours apart that we get. Wow. This call. That's and crazy. We were in just a situation where, I, we have no idea what we wanted to do, you know? And mm-hmm. so we prayed a lot about it and, um, you know, talked about it. And we just ultimately felt the Lord was opening the door to Taiwan. So um, okay. it was kind of a crazy, stressful time. And oh, I'm sure we were very excited to, to be going over there. So it just, it worked out. Okay. So let me make sure I have the timeline, right? So you had yeah. started out and then you ended up in Orlando or working with the 10 boys, you had your three kids. And so yeah. now you have accepted the job as dorm parents in Taiwan, So what is that like just up and moving a family of five? And now when you take this job, are you, do you do like a contract for a certain number of years or are you planning to stay there permanently or how, how does that work? Yeah, we definitely wanted to stay long-term. We did sign a two-year contract and you know, uh, could have kept going, things like that. So they actually, the, one of the directors flew out from Taiwan to Orlando to interview us. Oh, wow. Okay. Very, um, that was kind of her role. Um, so she stayed the night here and got to see how we interacted with our, you know, teenage boys and then our own kids and just got to know us a little bit more. So, um, the interview process was pretty lengthy. Mm -hmm. And um, when that officially happened, it was, it was a big change. I mean, we both grew up overseas, so we've traveling was kind of something we were used to, but when you add three little kids, my daughter was only 11 months when yeah. we, you know, officially moved over there and my boys were, what was that? Maybe f- five or six. Mm-hmm. So it was a big move. I mean, we, we were excited and we were like, oh, we can do this, but it was a lot. We didn't know what we were getting into. We had never been to Taiwan. Uh-huh. Jeremy okay. had never been to Asia in his life. So it was just a very different thing. But, um, I think, I think God had prepared us quite a bit, but the travel alone was, was Oh, because how many hours and plane flights, how, how do you get uh, from Florida to Taiwan? What does that even involve with three kids, including a baby? Yeah, it was a, a crazy flight. We left in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. One of our flights was like six hours. One was eight hours. One was 13 hours. Um, the layover times were insane. I, it, it probably took a full two days, like wow. 38 hours, maybe. Okay. Um, getting to end. So we were, we were rough and it's a 12 hour time change too. Mm-hmm. So lag took, you know, a full 10 days to get over. Um, yeah, we had got there at the end of June. Um, and then just kind of, uh, had a couple weeks to get things going and we had training right away. And then our, all of our dorm kids came. And so it was, it was a big intense move. I mean, yeah, you know, we brought a whole, well, we probably brought 15 suitcases, which I was going to ask about that that. a lot or not, but you know, we didn't have a whole lot when we packed, we didn't bring furniture or anything like that over Mm -hmm. there. Um, so was it it a similar setup where you guys had like your own apartment attached to the dorm in Taiwan also? Yeah. Same kind of setup. So it was just like a school campus, um, Mm -hmm. different in the sense where we lived in like a dorm here, you know, you open your door and you're in a yard. This mm-hmm. was all apartment buildings. So we okay. had, we had an elevator in our, in our apartment and we were on, you know, fourth floor. And so the only people who were on those floors were just the dorms, fifth floor dorm, fourth floor, floor dorm, third floor. And then that was it. So that was a little bit different for us. It's just, you know, having that and not, it was more apartment building, but um, we did have an attached apartment and just a giant living space for the kids and two big hallways for girls and boys. We had never done a co-ed dorm before, but that mm-hmm. was the setup there. Um, you know, it works in some cases it might not, but they were good kids and it wasn't, it wasn't an issue at all. We had big boundaries. We said there were cameras mm-hmm. places. Um, we didn't, we didn't have issues with that at all, but, um, you know, we could. So, <laughs> so these were different because these were kids of missionaries, correct? Right. You, you said, okay. So was it the same age range or did you have a wider variety of ages since it was a different setup or did you still have teams? Yeah. So they only took, um, to be in the dorm, you had to be in at least ninth grade. 
So it was okay. only high school dorms. So similar to what we had here, we only had high school boys. Okay. Um, you know, there were younger kids here in Orlando, but we we've only we like working with the teenagers. So mm-hmm. yeah, we had um ninth grade through twelfth grade in okay. Thailand, So and they were going to school on that same campus? Yeah, on the campus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And they were from all different countries. Yeah. So this one, um, most of them were from Taiwan. Um it just was a better school environment and their parents uh, were not too far away, but some of them were maybe in more remote places where there just wasn't great schools. And so we were on a, uh, our, it's called Morrison Academy. There was four campuses. So we were one of four campuses, the main campus. Um, so they were from a handful of different countries. Um, you know, when we talk about Germany later, that's, that's quite a bit different when they were from all over the place. Mm-hmm. But uh, this one was China, Taiwan, maybe Vietnam um, surrounding countries. So not super far. Okay. Um, yeah. But far enough to where parents couldn't always come visit. Sure. And then what's the language barrier like with that? Because I know a lot of other countries also learn English, but then did you, how did, how did that work? Do you guys all were able to communicate a certain way? Yeah. So the school was, a. Uh, uh, international, but more heavily on the American side. Okay. They have a lot of local, um, business kids come in, um, more Chinese kids. Um, so our kids in the dorm, most of them, I would say probably 80% of them spoke Mandarin, okay. um, but then everybody knew English. Like it okay. was an English school. Um, they had pretty high standards on who could come in. I mean, if, if you weren't able to communicate, you're, you're probably not the best fit for the dorm. So you had to be able to, to be pretty fluent in English to be mm-hmm. there. So yeah, that wasn't, wasn't an issue. Um, but in Taiwan itself, you really had to kind of learn the language to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at first we would just take our dorm kids with us places because mm-hmm. it was, it was tough to do. I mean, people were very friendly. There's a, it's a, you know, they love Americans there. They're super friendly to foreigners, um, but they also don't know a lot of English. So, mm-hmm. so did your older kiddos, did they start to learn the language? They did. Yeah. So they, they were in also in the the American school too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kindergarten through 12th grade. So, okay. so they, they were going to the same school that these teens were going to yeah. just in the younger yeah. grade. Okay. I was going to ask right. about that. Okay. Yeah. So they did have, um, like Chinese classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they did pick up some. Um, and then I was like, you know, if I'm going to live in Taiwan, I'm going to just enroll in language classes. I wish I would have done that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I waited a little while. I was just trying to get settled and it was a little overwhelming to try to, you I'm know, sure dorm kids and my kids, but I was like, no, I'm trying to learn this language and hardest thing in the world to do. I mean, oh, I can't imagine. Oh my goodness. I I knew enough to get around after a while. And, um, it was, it was cool to see just people working with me on that. And Mm -hmm. uh, the culture there is incredible. I mean, they love, like when you try to learn their language and try to speak and it just brings a smile to the, to the locals. Yeah. So segueing perfectly into what I was going to ask next. So in terms of having, so your family, your three kids in Taiwan. So even aside from when you are actually in your dorm setting, um, what is, I mean, this is kind of a large question, but however you think is the best way to describe it. Like how, what are some, I guess, just interesting things about being in Taiwan with a family or, you know, raising kids in Taiwan, things that might be different than here, other than the obvious things like the language. Um, what types of things did you notice with that? Yeah, I think the first thing was um, how safe of a country it was. It was mm-hmm. actually voted like um, in years past, like the second safest country in the world. Wow. Um, and so we learned right away that kids, young kids were just running the streets and um, that became just such a normal thing. I'm not mm-hmm. where we would let our kids go do whatever, but mm-hmm. it was just that kind of environment where everybody looked out for everybody. There's mm-hmm. no crime there. Like mm-hmm. they, I mean, I remember specifically going to the park one time and leaving my purse and literally forgetting about it. I went back a day later and it was still sitting on that same park bench Wow. and things happened. Probably wouldn't happen here. <laughs> yeah. And it would just never happen anywhere else. So I think the safety of the country and um, just the environment itself. I mean, we would walk out of our apartment and we didn't have to drive anywhere. Everything Mm -hmm. was just, I mean, we walked everywhere, you know, there's, there's, uh, markets all over. So we don't have to go to a grocery store because you walk right out of our place and there's vendors like street vendors everywhere. And Mm -hmm. our kids would just go, you know, and get us some fresh fruit and we could just watch them out the window. And, um, so just very different here, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it seemed effortless to go places. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I think that was one of the biggest differences there is just the, the freedom and right. the way that um, people really take care of you really well there. I mean, we would walk down the street with our kids and they love American kids. Oh my word. They would just come up and give free stuff to us all the time. And they would hug us and they would ask to take my daughter behind the counter and they would play with her and can they take pictures with her. And, um, it just became so normal. I think in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. it might freak people out, but, um, we learned quickly the people there just were so loving and Mm -hmm. so safe. So what do you think? And maybe this isn't, I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but why do you think it's so much safer there? Do you think it's just they have more of a sense of community or are the laws stricter in terms of, you know, people not obeying them? Or how do you know yeah. why it feels so much or the crime rate so much lower? Yeah, there's definitely laws in place, like even as far as um, vaping, like mm-hmm. that's completely illegal there. And it's a huge crime. And, and okay. here it's just, I mean, oh my word, like we we get kids here in Orlando who are on a program. That's, that's a normal thing at 11 years old. And oh it, my it goodness. my mind, you know, and Ugh, don't tell me that my kids are almost 10. Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, mine too, but I'm, yeah, I just, I, I hear about it. And I think, I think it's a heart mentality too. It's they, they people have grown up and they work so hard mm-hmm. and the community feel is just unlike anything I've ever experienced. And growing up in Malaysia was very similar to okay. just, just with the, the culture itself. Um, their morals and their like, you know, just the way that they view life. It's, it's different. Um, You know, they didn't, they had strict laws there, but people also just didn't want to break them. Mm -hmm. Um, It was also shame on family and things like that. So Mm -hmm. that kind of played into it as well. Um, But it was just a heart, it was just a heart mentality, you know? It sounds Um, like there'd be a lot of positives into raising kids in that environment for sure. Very much. Yeah. So now you had, how many did you say you had? Was it still around 10 or did you have more now that you had oh, girls so had, and boys? I want, we had 16, 16. Okay. So now you have girls and boys yeah. and you arrive with your family of, you know, five total, including right. the two boys and the baby. And, um, what was it like? Did they kind of have the same reaction that the boys did that you had in Florida where, you know, they just kind of took right to like playing with the kids and things like that. Was there a difference between the boys and the girls since you hadn't had girls before? How did, how did all that go? Yeah. I would say with that particular group, the girls were just like heavily invested into my boys Mm -hmm. or so they were still at the age where it was like, they were so cute and fun, you know, Mm -hmm. later on when we moved to Germany and they were like, uh, you know, nine and 10, the boys were just like, Oh, they're, you know, it was Mm -hmm. fun for them, but being really young with my kids, the girls just adored them and, um, took care of my little daughter too all the time. It was a very easy, easy transition in a sense. And I think too, um, living on a school campus, I mean, we had, uh, it was so safe. You couldn't go anywhere. I mean, we had a massive wall and we had a guard 24 seven. So all the staff kids would run out and, and play. So after school got out, I could watch from my balcony. I could see the playground down. I said, Oh, like all the kids are playing. So I might not see mine till dinner because they mm-hmm. just, you know, they just want to play. So it was, it was such a cool environment in the sense of everybody who worked there had a whole bunch of kids and they all just kind of, you know, ran the campus and yeah. played all the time. Oh, so oh, one big yard and you just have staff kids just running around and I mean, huge, huge campus. So they were, they were always having fun playing and you know, never bored. <laughs> yeah. That's like a dream situation. Yeah. The kids get to be outside. So they're not right. on their screens. They're safe. They're literally yes. enclosed with the guard. They're making yeah. friends They're learning culture. Right. That is very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then how long did you guys stay in, in Taiwan? Yeah. So we were only there a few years. Um, enrollment started to go down and our dorm ended up closing. There just wasn't enough kids in the dorm enrolling. They had end up building, they end up building another school. So some of the kids who were being boarding students in a dorm were now being like living at home and going to a, a different kind of school. So some things changed. Um, so our dorm ended up closing and there just wasn't another job for us there and um, really weren't sure what we were going to do. We also mm-hmm. had 10 seniors at the time. So um, that was, I just feel like God kind of made transition just happen. Mm-hmm. It seems that way. Place. Yeah. Yeah. And then the six kids who we had left, um, a couple of them were siblings and then they ended up, two of them ended up leaving to going home and then the other ones just moved to a different dorm. So there's only really three left at that time. So, um, you know, it's still hard to leave in the sense, but knowing that 13 of them had left Mm -hmm. with us in the same year, it it did make things a little bit easier 
Um, it was a very difficult move for my kids. Um, mm-hmm. This is a place we actually thought we were going to be forever. Right. And, you know, God just kind of had different plans in mind. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was tough. We really liked working there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, okay. it happened time, so. So is that when you then went to Germany? Yeah. So we honestly had no idea what we were going to do next. We mm-hmm. knew that we wanted to continue to be dorm parents. Um, but we didn't know what even continent or country mm-hmm. <laughs> to go next. We weren't really looking, but then, um, we had applied for the school in Germany, honestly, the year we got married, we were kind of applying to all different schools that we knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, my siblings all actually went to school in Germany. Okay. So they all went to high school in Germany. I did not. Cause I had, I was the oldest. And so I started college that year that they all left. My parents started serving in Bosnia as missionaries. So they sent the kids to Germany, my siblings to Germany. It was a 15 hour drive and it was just a much better school, great Mm -hmm. environment. Um, So that's kind of how I knew about it as well. Okay. So um, we were just like, what about Germany? And then my husband was like, no, I don't want to move to Europe. Don't want to move to Europe. You know, he's (laughs) from Africa and Asia. He's like, I don't want to be in Europe. And I was like, oh, come on, let's try it. And um, the Lord just kind of led that door open. And yeah, I just ended up getting a job before we left Taiwan. So we knew we had something to look forward to, which was really great. Um, it was a super stressful summer though. We had come back, you know, international move. It was pretty crazy. Um, so you had gone from Taiwan back to Florida in between. Yes. We were okay. only, um, we were in Georgia and Florida kind okay. of splitting, but we were only in the States for five weeks Oh gosh! and, and had a big interview because we had to find a mission organization to go with Germany. Cause it was, um, in Taiwan, we got paid directly through the school. And then in Germany, it was self-supporting. So, okay. which we had never done before. It was a so, whole ball game. Self-supporting. Can you explain what you mean by that? Like you had to find a mission. You said you had to find a mission group to yeah. basically fund your guys' yes, living we, expenses. Okay. Yeah. So we had, we had to raise support, um, you know, in the sense of like, Hey, we're going, you know, to this place and Got the it. school doesn't really pay, but everybody who, who works at Germany had to have to find a mission organization to kind of fund them and, and help raise support. So we um, had an interview the five weeks we were back in the States and it was a very lengthy interview. So we ended up going out with the Christian Missionary Alliance. So that was our organization. Um, quick turnaround. And then, you know, we headed to Germany and it was, it was a lot. It was a big move. I mean, my kids were young and they handled it like champs. They're so resilient. Like they, mm-hmm. it. I mean, it was incredible to just see them alone. You know, it gave me yeah. a lot of speed. So big so move. You- you said they were about nine and 10 for the boys around then. Um, they, uh, let's see. Yeah. That makes sense. Or maybe eight, eight, yeah. nine. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so your daughter would have been three or four. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. So yep. again, moving your family of five now, yeah. some little pre pre tweens and a toddler. So I know you said it was hard for them to move from Taiwan. Yeah. Did they get, were they, I know you said they were resilient and did really well. Were they excited to go live somewhere else? Were they nervous? How did they express that to you before you went? I think they really didn't want to leave. They had a lot of friends in Taiwan. There was a ton of kids their age. Um, My kids were playing sports. Like it was, it was a very um, comfortable environment for Mm -hmm. them. They just loved it. The school was great. The kids were great. Um, It was frustrating for them, you know, at their young age, try to communicate that. Um, you know, so we, we explained things the best we could. And I think also them being young has, it has its advantages too. It's not like I'm uprooting a kid in high school and, you know, just going like this. Um, so they, they took it fine afterward. Um, and then I think once we got there in Germany, I mean, the environment could night and day different from where we moved to. We were in city life in Taiwan, you know, hustle, bustle, busy city life. And then we moved to Germany. We're in the middle of nowhere in a very uh, quaint German old school village where Mm -hmm. there's more sheep and cattle than there are people. That's like night and day different. Yeah. uh, That's cool to get to experience both though, for you and you guys and your your kids. Now were these, was this school in Germany? Was this, um, missionaries children as well or children that lived okay okay yeah so also the same christian international boarding school um we had 18 high school boys okay so um we didn't do co-ed there was six other dorms there um Mm -hmm. different in the sense of taiwan where everybody was on the same campus and we Mm -hmm. had apartment complexes 
in Germany, people were pretty spread out. Like there were two dorms in town. One was over here. One was in the village one, you know, so, um, you couldn't really walk to all of them. Okay. Everybody was pretty spread out. So it wasn't a, uh, general campus that we were mm-hmm. all on, but okay. location of a school was, you know, a quick walk if you wanted to walk. So yeah, it was a big, same kind of environment, Christian international boarding mm-hmm. school. And so. was that where your boys would then start going to school there as well? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they actually didn't go to that school. My boys were too young to go to the, to the American school that my teenager boys went to. So mm-hmm. they actually went to a bilingual school as a sister school of, um, you know, once they hit middle school, then they were able to go in. So Got it. Yeah, they okay. went to a bilingual school there. Okay. So they learned a little Mandarin. Did they, did your family start learning some German then as well? Yeah. Jeremy and I didn't, it was just too much. Um, very busy to learn. Three kids working and learning your third language would be quite a bit. I would love that, but my boys with bilingual school, they did pick up quite a bit. And then my son, um, my older son joined a soccer team. It was an all German team. So they didn't speak any English. The coaches didn't speak any English. You know, we would take him and we were like, I don't know what you're saying, but here's Chuck, here's, here's the kid. Mm -hmm. Um, So he picked up quite a bit from his German team. And then my daughter got into um, preschool right away for the years that we were there. And it was an all German school. So Mm -hmm. she was the only boarder in the entire school. Um, So we were very lucky to get in that school. It was a great school. I had no idea what her teachers were ever saying, but she would translate at being that young. She soaked up a lot. Um, all her friends were German, her teachers, you know, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. That is awesome. Yeah. So now you have all boys again, team boys. And when you said earlier, I think you said, cause as your boys were getting older, then the boys were really kind of taking to them and playing with them. And that was, and it would, how did they react with your daughter? Was it kind of still kind of like a big brother? Like she had a whole bunch more big brothers. Oh yeah. She, she like ran the dorm in the sense. I mean, uh-huh. the only girl, um, we had two residential assistants that also lived with us. So we had 25 in our house full time, okay. um, you know, crazy, but, uh, and it wasn't yeah. that big of a house either. It, you know, when you walk in, you're just like, Oh my word, how does this many people fit in this house? But we made mm-hmm. it work. And, um, my daughter just loved it. Like the boys were amazing with mm-hmm. her. So it was a, it was an easy, easy transition into that again. And I think having the right kind of kids too, with my, yeah, personalities it it doesn't work with everybody but with them it was uh, you know an answer to prayer in, in the sense so earlier we talked about like the culture and like being in Taiwan and how that was different than it felt like in terms of having a family and raising kids here so how about the same question with Germany how did you feel I mean I know the countryside and the sheep yeah. and everything that you know the setting itself was different but in terms of just the country and the culture how do you feel like that was different than raising kids here Yeah, I think Germany is something that we, uh, we had never experienced Europe before. Um, It kind of where we lived, it literally looked like something off the sound of music. I mean, Mm -hmm. it looked just like Austria. It was Mm -hmm. very similar to that. Um, I think just the environment is so different. But um, I think the biggest difference from Germany to Taiwan even was just the people weren't as friendly in Germany. And I I think um, it was a very older kind of um, culture where we live specifically, not everywhere in Berlin. They have a lot of younger kids. We weren't quite near there, but um, it it was harder to break in, I think, to the German culture. Um, So I don't know how much different it would be from the States, but where we lived specifically, um, you could, nothing was close to us. You couldn't walk everywhere. I mean, our backyard was just hiking though. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just rolling hills and, you know, sheep and cattle everywhere. And that'd you know, be amazing. You your own blueberries and you, you pick your own flowers. And it was a very different kind of world over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also very isolated at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. we weren't in the hustle and bustle in the city anymore. And even just the convenience of going places, it, it took a little bit more time. I mean, you had to get in the car and drive for a little while to go to grocery stores. We had like kind of a mom and pop little German shop where in our town, but as far as shopping or being in the city, um, you know, you had to make it a point to take the day and go out there and do that. So is Berlin the biggest difference. Okay. Was Berlin, you mentioned Berlin, was that the biggest city that you were like, if someone were trying to picture where you were in Germany, is that kind of the area you were in? Like, no, we were, um, we were in, southern germany so we were about 30 minutes from the france border 30 minutes from switzerland border so an hour and a half drive from the alps swiss alps oh wow where we were was just breathtaking but very um remote and very like kind of isolated in a sense very Mm -hmm. small german town 
-hmm. I mean, a couple lights, you know, it's not like that everywhere, but we were not in the city at all. Okay. Um, so night and day different, but also had a lot of great things too. The hiking was phenomenal. I mean, just, just the, the whole environment and the atmosphere that was really neat. Um, yeah. And my daughter's school was just, you know, a couple streets over from where we lived in our dorm. Um, so that was very convenient to be able to just bike her, you know, sure. everywhere, everybody bikes everywhere. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that how you got around was by bike? Oh yeah. Biking. Um, they, our town was also like horse and buggy. It, oh. it was a very interesting kind of, uh, you know, you would never see that in Taiwan. It was just motorcycles and, you know, little bikes with, uh, coverings and people would sit and they would ride you around things like that. So going from there to there was, was quite the adjustment, but, um, it was, it was a neat place. And, uh, you know, between everybody biking and just kind of everybody was walking all the time, um, cafes on every corner, you know, little mm -hmm. fruit stands. I think the, a big difference from here to the States was it was such an honor system over there. I mean, they would have places set up in the middle of nowhere and they would have a whole bunch of food out and a bucket that you put money mm -hmm. in. So if you yeah. wanted to buy something at these little tiny things, let's say like a, a jar of jam or a, a basket of blueberries and fresh fruit, you would go, nobody's watching, nobody's monitoring this. You don't even know who this belongs to, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, there's a sign, you know, just this is how much it costs, put the yeah. money, no cameras anywhere. So everything was like that over there. Interesting. Um, you go into the field and if you wanted to pick your own flowers, you don't go buy them at the store. You go into the field, the flower field, and you just, there's scissors there and there's a box that you put your money in and you just cut however you want oh. it and tell you each flower, how much things are. So um, everything was on our system over there and you didn't cross that. Yeah. I mean, you did what it was said and, and people would call you out if you didn't. Um, okay. so as, as foreigners and Americans, you follow, right. you know, you follow the rules and it was cool to, to experience that part too. Cause in the States that just it wouldn't be a thing. Oh, you know? I know. I think about like Halloween when people live out, leave, they're not home and they leave out the giant bucket of oh, candy yeah. and okay. yeah, it would not be the same. <laughs> that's, that's a great, uh, yeah. yeah, a great analogy for that. Right. So, okay. So, and, and when and timeline wise, what year are we talking here? Do you like about? Yeah. So we, um, we were only the, over there for a few years and just moved back to the States this July. So, so this you were over there when the pandemic hit then. Yeah. Which is a whole, um, that's why we ended up losing our job. Um, okay. It was a pretty big mess, but we, yeah, we were there right when the pandemic hit, um, changed everything. Um, sure. very different being over there than in the States. Um, we got, we got hit really hard. Their lockdowns were much more yes, and, yeah. and insane. Like I had never experienced never, um, we were in Taiwan right when it happened, but because of Taiwan's, uh, uh, closing the borders and the way that they did things. We were not affected at all in Taiwan when I was there. So okay. I would post pictures and people like we went on vacation all the time and people would text me or write me and be like, why are you posting these? Take them down. And I okay. say, understand in Taiwan, like we're literally not affected. We didn't have things shut down. So um, in Mar like March of 2020, you were actually still in Taiwan. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So then when you were in, when you were in Germany, were you all like locking down quarantine with your dorm kids inside yep. your dorm, basically? Right. So right when we moved there, um, we moved there in beginning of July and mm -hmm. we had about two weeks before our dorm kids came. Um, okay. And then as soon as they came the first year uh, we were there, we immediately went into quarantine. So that was my first time in Germany. My first time, you know, you know, we started the year as coin quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, and it was rough. Our school didn't open for about a month. So we were doing virtual school, helping 18 boys and then my own three own kids. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I thought two kids was hard. You had 21. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then how did you, were you able to still go to like the markets and things like that to get food or what did they do about food? Yeah. So after that quarantine, things let up, I would probably say for a few months. So we had a good couple months between maybe late August to October where okay. we were able to, it was, things were normal. You know what I mean? So we went out and did things all the time. Um, they had taken away some of the events at school. Um, so that was, that was kind of the start of stuff. But once October hit from that point on, it was, uh, we were back in like full lockdown to the point where um, you really couldn't go out anywhere. You had to wear masks outside you had a curfew. There were police patrolling the streets. And if you broke that curfew, you were in a lot of trouble. I mean, oh we goodness. had people patrolling 
the roads with like full out um like vests and suits and like almost like a lab kind of equipment wow um I felt like I was in a different world like yeah that's like a movie yeah it was um it was hard uh and then you know if you weren't vaccinated then you couldn't go into the stores um so they were booths set up everywhere. You had to scan your QR code. And, um, it was, it, it was insane. It was very intense. Mm -hmm. You couldn't be with more than two people. If you weren't unvaccinated, you couldn't go here. You couldn't go here. You were in quarantine. If somebody got sick, even if you weren't sick. Um, mm -hmm. so we kind of lived with that for over a year mm -hmm. just back and forth. And then some weeks it would let up and then it went right back to full out lockdown. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was hard. Really that is intense. Yeah. That was really intense. So when did you all end up coming back to the States? Um, July of this year. So July of this year. Okay. Yeah. So in the summer, it'll be, it'll be a full year since we've been back. Okay. And you yeah. said you're back working at the same place that you were before when you had the teen boys, but you're doing a different yeah. role now. So, yeah. So we're back here. Um, like I said, we, we didn't have plans of coming back to the States. Um, COVID was crazy. We ended up losing our job um, along with some other people and honestly had no idea where we were going. Mm -hmm. um, it was a rough move. Um, but coming back here, uh, I ended up, uh, so when I was in Germany, my husband's parents were in Congo, Africa, and mm -hmm. this was last April. And he said, Hey, like for spring break, I want to go visit my parents. You know, they were retiring at the end of the year and he wanted to take our boys to go visit them in Africa, you know, just a once in a lifetime kind of experience where they would never be living there again. Right. Um, so he took them last April and I said, well, if you're going to go do that, um, I'm going to take my daughter, you know, and uh, come down to Orlando to visit my sister because she works here. And I didn't want to be stuck in Germany by myself and tickets to Africa were too expensive for the five of us. So um, I took my daughter here to stay with my sister at, in Orlando. And then while I was here, one of the directors had heard about our situation and kind of talked to me about, was I interested in maybe a job here? And I was just coming to visit for spring break. I had no intention yeah. of working here at all, but that kind of made me thinking. So after you know spring break, I went back to Germany. We just prayed about it and just things just kept going. I just felt yeah. God just opening that door for, for right. me to come back to Orlando and- Seems uh, like the timing always works out for you. It, yeah, it does. And looking back, I'm just like, God knew he, he just mm -hmm. kind of plucked us out of a situation that was um, maybe unhealthy for my kids yeah. after a while. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I'm back here working as a case manager slash counselor um, for all girls here. So okay. I kind of do mentoring with them. I do intake processes. So very different role than a dorm parent, but I'm mm -hmm. still getting to be with the kids one-on-one -on -one every day. Um, so is this the first time your family has lived on your own away from the dorm kids as like since having yeah. kids the very first time yep how how has that transition gone what have your kids have they talked about <laughs> that or oh yeah I it sounds they, quiet now well I mean you have yes. three kids so maybe not but I mean compared yeah. to 21 <laughs> no I know what you mean though when we first told them we were moving out of the dorm I think it they had very mixed feelings um they were very heavily involved into the stuff they were involved, but it also COVID just isolated yeah. so much of us that we weren't even allowed to be with other dorms. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just having that separation, um, it made people crazy too. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, my kids would just went through kind of a point where they're like, mom, we don't want to be here anymore. Is this ever going to be like normal? Mm -hmm. It became so normal to live this unnormal life mm -hmm. after a while. Um, and so they were asking like, are we coming back to the States mom? Like, we just want to be as a family. And you know, nothing against the dorm kids. I think they hit a point though, where they just, just yeah. want to be with us. And just that was the first time they've ever heard that. And, um, <clears throat> so saying goodbye to everybody was just, it was a lot. It was very emotional. Um, my kids really struggled with the goodbye part. I mean, they just became so invested into these boys and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, our boys, uh, you know, we had 18 of them and they were from 14 different countries. Wow. So just the, it was just such a cool, rewarding experience for my mm -hmm. kids to be around so many cultures, so many ethnicities, so many languages. I mean, we had all the way from Nigeria to Russian, Ukrainian to like uh, Kazakhstan. I mean, every every country, you know. So being around that, they just got used to it and they adapted mm -hmm. easily. Um, Do you and your kids like, still keep in contact with any of these kids that you've worked with from any of these different countries? Oh yeah. Like yeah. handful of them. Oh yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's kind of, I think boarding dorm life just 
makes you get connected on so many deep levels. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you, can't, you don't take the place of their parents, but you're stepping in as a parent figure mm -hmm. and you become very attached to them. So these are kids that are going to be in your life forever. Right. Uh, you know, I have a girl that's getting married this summer from my girl in Taiwan in uh, Minnesota. And I'm going to try to go to that because Aww, it's yeah. just, you know, and I have a couple of them from Germany who are graduating this May and in the summer, they're going to come down and visit us here in Orlando before that they go to college so around the cool. state. So yeah, we keep in touch with a lot of them and my boys yeah. do too. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think they hit a point where they were okay with just yeah. you know, having a different kind of life. And here mm -hmm. we come back to Orlando and my sister works here. So they have cousins here and mm -hmm. um, everybody has kids all around their age. So they just run yeah. around. We're on a big school campus again. So mm -hmm. we've lived at, you know, these, these campuses where we live on, everybody lives on campus here. Okay. So, you know, we just have little houses everywhere and um, everybody kind of co-parents. We just live yeah. in a giant community where, you know, our kids just run free and um, awesome. we're on 110 acres here and it's, they can't go anywhere. So it's just, you know, it's a big giant kid yeah. place. So you still it. have a lot of the same perks because yes. um, yeah. you're still within the same community. So, right. right. Okay. So I think the next two questions, I think I'm going to say, and just like, I'll tell you both. So you can kind of start thinking about both of them. Yeah. Um, what is, do you think some of the most, one or more of the most difficult things about raising a family as a dorm parent, mm -hmm. but then what is one or however many of the best things about yeah. raising your family as a dorm family? Yeah. I think the, I would say one of the best parts is just having my kids get that experience that they would have never gotten anywhere else. I mean, it's such a unique right. foreign world to a lot of people. And I think it would have been for us had we not been, you know, grown up in it. Um, but my kids being in there the last six, seven years and getting to be around so many cultures. And like I said, I mean, 14 cultures just in our little dorm of 18 was, was insane, you know, and, um, getting even just like learning new foods and trying mm -hmm. new stuff. Like my kids were very venturous with things. I mean, um, even in Taiwan, my daughter Skylar went to an all Chinese school. So mm -hmm. she went to an all Chinese school and then she went to an all German school and the stuff that she would eat, it blew my mind. I mean, I don't think as an adult, I would be eating octopus and squid on a daily basis, but, uh, -huh. uh that's so, so cool. So I think just with, um, I think the best part about that was just being surrounded by so many diverse groups of people mm -hmm. and everything it brought to them, you know? Um, so that was a reward for them and a, and a huge highlight. And I think that, that will play into like them going into adulthood and even just, you know, whatever it is, high school, adult, whatever. And yeah. just being surrounded by, by different people and knowing how to adapt, knowing what's appropriate to say, what's not. Um, because things can be very offensive if you say them the wrong way in cultures. And my kids experience that as well. But mm -hmm. um, I think that's something they're going to take a long way with them. So yeah. I would probably say that was, you know, the best part about that. Um, I think the hardest part about raising a family in a dorm is you know, the obvious, there's so many kids, uh, mm -hmm. you know, 18 in Germany and just balance and juggling things. And I think we did really well on, um, you know, the, the teenagers weren't as needy. They didn't yeah. need us all the time. Um, yeah. you know, they were older, self-sufficient. Um, but I think simple things like we worked a very different schedule. I mean, it was great for my husband and I who got, you know, years of working together, we got all our days off. So at eight 30, when they went to school till four o'clock, like we had the whole day together, we could do whatever we want to. And that would never happen. Like we've always worked together. Mm -hmm. um, so we were out bike riding and having dates all the time because our kids mm -hmm. were always in school. But then we're back on the clock at four o'clock till maybe midnight, four mm -hmm. to 11 or four to 12 at night. And that's the time when our kids get home from school. So, mm -hmm. you know, then we're not able to have that kind of one-on-one -on -one with them. We worked all the weekends. So simple things like being in the States now, now my husband and I have weekends off. Mm -hmm. We've never had a weekend off in our whole life. Wow. Um, yeah. And now we can go to church together as a family. Yeah. We can, you know, not have to rush after the service and be with 18 boys after the service and trying to gather everybody and cook. And mm -hmm. um, you know, I cooked, I did all the cooking over there. So here I can cook for four people now and yeah. not 25 every day. That's quite the <laughs> um, difference. Yeah. yeah. So huge. So I think just like not having the normal family routine could mm -hmm. was challenging at times mm -hmm. and um even just homework like oh. my, my husband had to watch all the eight you know the guys because we they needed to be supervised we we had to kind of be around them so it's not like my husband and I could be in our apartment putting our kids to bed at the same time mm -hmm. uh, that was a process you know so we would kind of alternate and take turns each night um and now we have the you know the privilege of being able to do to, to do that together you know so 
Um, there's definitely pros and cons, but I think yeah. that was the hardest part was just the schedule when we worked, um, you know, the demanding times, Yeah. Uh, you know, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So how old are your kids now and what are their names? Yeah. So Mason, um, will turn 11 next week. Okay. And then Keegan just turned 10 the other day. Okay. So a little under a year apart. Uh-huh. And then Skylar will be six in August and she's awesome. my little girl. So awesome. So yeah. That is quite the awesome story. That's incredible. Um, a really unique gift you've given your kids to be, have, I mean, they have people that they know from so many different cultures. They've experienced so many different things. I think it's really important that I feel like I know my kids and a lot of the kids here, it's, it's hard to teach them that everywhere is not like here. And I think that's really important for them to learn. So Okay. My last question, and then I'm going to let you get back to your own life. And I ask all my moms, this is if you could have just one day all to yourself. So, you know, not kids, not dorm kids, yeah. not husband, just all to yourself. Yeah. You could go anywhere and do anything. Where would you go? And what would you do? Yeah. it's a good question. That does not happen often at all. Um, a whole day. I love the beach. I would probably mm-hmm. just spend my time at the beach. And when I do go to the beach, um, you know, in Germany, we were not near beaches at all. Uh, that wasn't a thing. In Taiwan, we were not quite near a beach. And But when I do go with my kids, it's just, it's chaos and it's busy. I mean, it's fun, but it's, you're watching them all the time. I mean, my five-year-old is fearless and she mm-hmm. swims, but she will go so far out there and wander to strangers and try to, you know, be friends with everybody. And you close your eyes for a second and she's gone. Mm -hmm. So I think just being at the beach by myself for a whole day, reading a book, actually like not having to make sandcastles and play, you know, on boogie boards in the water, like just sit in a chair and read a book at the beach. I think that would just be super easy and fun for me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I like to be in nature and I think Mm -hmm. just hiking and doing any like outdoor activity, um, I just would love to do so. Yeah. Um, and then treat myself to dinner. Um, that might sound weird, but I love going, no. to, you know, going to dinner by myself that and sounds I, great. you know, take my time and I don't have to rush and bring a whole bunch of different things for them to do. So I'd probably say like the beach and dinner, read a book and then like be out in the woods for a while and just perfect. take a nap even. <laughs> yeah. That's so, like the perfect day. I think yeah, you just described yeah. the perfect day. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of yeah, your uh, night tonight. Um, it has been so interesting learning about your journey and the differences in culture and the different differences yeah. in raising a family in different cultures. And so I thank you for sharing that with everyone. Um, and then I wish you the best for your current time in Florida yeah. and then wherever, wherever life takes you from here, do you think you'd ever want to be overseas again? I think at some point we do. And I don't know. Um, we're not thinking about it now. I think my kids are really settled here. They're yeah. in different activities. And I think just with, we've missed out on a lot of family time. Mm-hmm. Like our, our family's kind of all spread out in the States, but mm-hmm. um, my husband's parents just moved back from Africa two weeks ago oh, wow. um, and they were there 35 years. So mm-hmm. they're officially retired and they live in the same town as my parents, literally 10 minutes apart, which uh-huh. has never happened before. So yeah. Um, just being near family, it's going to be nice. You know, we've missed out on a lot of those years overseas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, grandparents are getting older and my family, we have a tight, tight family. So yeah. we're excited to be here for a while and just, um, you know, be close, be close to people and drive away instead of like a flight, you know? Yeah, so, for sure. For sure. I think we're here for a while, but eventually maybe when my kids get older, we would love to go back international and, um, you know, wherever God takes us, whether that's dorm parenting or me, you know, doing counseling or whatever it is, because mm-hmm. that's kind of my passion right now. So yeah, we'll see, but we're here for now and it's, it's been really good. So. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Sure. With us. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. Of course. This episode is sponsored by my books. I have self-published two books. The first is called Learning to Breathe, and that is our NICU journey with our twins born at 24 weeks. For more information on this, you can check out episode one. And my second book is called The NICU Mama Survival Guide. So I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist. One of the things I specialize in is postpartum rehab. And despite that, when I had my kids in the NICU, I did not even consider my postpartum rehab because I was so focused on my kids in the NICU. Years later, I realized NICU moms can still take care of themselves and their recovery, and they can do it all without leaving their baby's bedside, and my book explains how. 
Find both books today on Amazon. Thanks for joining us today on the Mama Sisterhood podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any extraordinary motherhood journeys. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second to rate and review. This helps me reach more moms. See you next week. Thank you.